Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever. And unfortunately, we are going to reflect on what's been a terrible week for Manchester United. More off the pitch, Rob, uh, than than anything else. Uh, a variety of uh, different topics. Well, on the pitch as well, it was bad, but at least they won uh, the other night. We have talked about the Wolves game already. We'll look ahead to the Spurs game on Saturday at 5.30 UK time as well. But yeah, I mean, Rob, not good, is it? No, not good, but also kind of expected off the pitch. So obviously, Scott, there is alluding to Mason Greenwood and the statement from Manchester United over the past couple of days. Um, we've said we we're always going to wait until United had their say and see what this, in- this investigation that's been going on forever uh, brought forward. And Manchester United didn't really reveal lots of that, did they? But yes, we're now at that period now, unfortunately, after the first game of the season with the transfer window two weeks to go, where we have to talk about Mason Greenwood, unfortunately. So the club put out a statement earlier this week insisting that no decision has yet been reached uh, I'm quoting this from the top of my head here, that the decision will of whether to bring Mason Greenwood back will ultimately lie in the hands of the chief executive, Richard Arnold. Uh, from what I uh, understand, I mean, the, the Glazers have, and as has been alluded to in that statement, I think the Glazers have just said, hey, you you guys decide, you you decide, Richard. And uh, the... Basically, this has all been triggered, I think, before United were ready to to go public with anything because of um, some good reporting from from the Athletic, uh, who were challenged on who challenged United on the management of this situation. Like like you said, Rob, how, how long has it been since this was not a legal case? A, a number of months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so United have been planning how to how to deal with it, and I think it's become evidently clear over the past number of weeks. I know we've had it suggested on occasion uh, throughout the last few months as well that this, the way that United are going to be moving is that they would like to bring Mesa Greenwood back into the first team fold. Uh, the Athletics report suggested that Richard Arnold and the club have basically explained to staff that they are planning to to make this happen, to bring Mason Greenwood back after... And I think if you listen to this, the chances are you probably know uh, the ins and outs of this case um it reflects poorly on the club uh from my perspective and from rob's perspective as well and uh how, rob how have in your view how have united managed this situation i think we, we both know like 
we both know the position and we've made our positions clear on whether Mason, Mason Greenwood should be brought back into the fold. It seems like United want to bring him back in. How are they managing this? Like, it's, it's, they could, let's just say they could have done it better. They've just managed it, I think, as badly as they could have done. You know, I really do believe that now at this stage. You know, it's been six months since, uh, obviously, the case collapsed. But when we talk about employment or operations at a major business, that's got nothing to do with criminality. It really hasn't. It's about a number of other factors. So this is not about whether fans believe it happened like this or it happened like that or whether someone's innocent or not innocent. This really just comes down to whether an individual is fit to represent your company, your brand and your football team. It's kind of as basic as that. And that makes the bar a lot lower, Scott. And I think some football fans don't grasp hold of that. But I do think that that many, many do. Um, United are doing exactly what lots of big institutions do, is putting out a bad policy and then kind of let's smell it. Let's see what happens afterwards. And in the last 24, 48 hours, I think Manchester United know categorically that a huge part of the fan base do not want this player back in our shirt and for the right reasons. United, this that was the investigation, Scott. Like, do we bring him back? It doesn't reflect well on Richard Arnold because this is an operations decision. And, of course, the Glazers are going to go, hands off, we're just the owners. Of course they are. You run the club, we pay you to run the club. You know, John Murto, you're, you're director of football. You lot run all of this. Well, this is not a football decision. It's not a football decision. You cannot make this about whether Mason Greenwood can score you goals or not. Because we do know, Scott, that Mason Greenwood scores goals. So it cannot be about that. Well, Rob, if Mason Greenwood didn't score goals, he wouldn't be I here. think we, we know what the decision would be, right? Manchester United have had plays in the past. You know, I'll talk about someone like, say, Ravel Morrison. You know, going back over time, totally different case. Did, club didn't like what he did or who he was or what he was up to. Got rid of him. That's how it was. And he was probably our best young talent we'd ever seen at that point. But someone who hadn't had an impact on the first team. I think when you look at uh, at Mason Greenwood, it's it's a it's a situation that none of us created. Like that's what I keep saying. This is not about football fans. Football fans didn't create what happened with Mason Greenwood, and neither did Manchester United. But United need to now look at it through kind of clear eyes as a business and say, does that guy deserve to wear our badge? You know, he walks out at Old Trafford, Scott. It is going to be one of the worst moments in Manchester United history because the whole stadium will boo him and they won't get over it. They'll boo him and boo him and boo him. And they'll do it for the right reasons. You mentioned Old Trafford. I mean, I, I think it was, I think uh, one of the guys from the Football Ramble uh, tweeted mm. something yesterday, tweeted a thread yesterday that I was reading um, about, obviously this case hasn't gone to court, um, but there there is an element, a, a massive element of, this entire thing bringing Manchester United into disrepute. Mm. And as much as, you know, like he's not been, not been found guilty. So that, that's why the club are acting in this way, because I think yeah, it's, 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 diffi- it's a difficult kind of, uh, it's a difficult situation to manage. Of course it is. But we are going to be having this conversation. If Mason Greenwood comes back, we are going to be having this conversation about whether he should play for Man United every single week for probably the duration of the remainder of his career at Man United. And how you can't... 
how you can't see that this is bringing the club into disrepute and alienating fans and alienating men and women, you know, um, why, why, why are we fighting this? Why, why are we going this way? I, I don't, I don't understand the the upside here. The, the, there is no upside, I think, for most of us in terms of Manchester United's view on it. I mean, talking there about legality, I think you know we have a global audience for our podcast here, Scott. Like, not everyone is in England, but let's kind of put some stats and facts out there. You know, ninety nine percent of these cases that are brought forward do not go to court. Ninety nine percent. That means 1% go to court. That doesn't mean the other 99% it didn't happen. That's not how the legal system works. But again, I think we have to dial it back to United as an institution and what Manchester United represents. And Manchester United obviously are a global football club with a billion fans around the world. We know all of this. But it's also a local team for Mancunians and for people in this country. And it needs to represent something. And that is something that, that means something. It's my family's club. You know, it's my kids' club. It's my mum's club, my granddad's club. This is our football team, and we have to have a say on those things. And I think Manchester United sometimes completely disconnect themselves from that, you know, especially upstairs where they look at the fan base and they're just not sure. They're like, but there is some fans that surely want to see him score goals. Well, no, we want to see United win, don't we? But we don't want to be part of this. This not is not what we past, want. You know. and, and I think this is where Manchester United, like, again, you look up, you know, anyone's worked in a business or operations level is that you have to look at these things, not through personal opinions, but you have to look at it through the lay of the land. The lay of the land tells Manchester United, get rid of this player, get rid of him quickly. He's, he's in gross neg neglect of his contract, Scott, as well. You could sack him. There's no problem there. There's no way that he would be able to take United to court on this. United I'm not would, sure about that. Uh, uh, Scott, seriously, like they would have to prove, they don't have to prove that he did what he did. They don't have to prove that. They just have to look at what in terms of his conduct. Yeah. So that is where it goes. So Manchester United might fear that, but why should they fear that? Because they have actually got pop popular opinion on their side. So, yeah, you could you might be able to sell Greenwood. I think that's the happy medium here. You sell him, but you're not going to get the hundred million that he's probably worth two, three years ago. So all of these things matter in the eyes of an operations officer, Scott, but they don't matter to football fans. They don't matter to normal people. You know, and this is always about what you represent. If Man United want to win trophies with Mason Greenwood scoring goals, do you know what's going to happen, Scott? A lot of people turn their back on the football club. Well, the way that United are operating, uh, it's, it seems like United have just drip, not not drip fed this, but like tested the water. Toe in the water. Ages. Toe, yeah. toe in the water. Hey, here's yeah. a little few pictures of Mason Greenwood in training. He's definitely doing it away from the first team. Uh, working with a former academy coach from United, yeah. I believe, as well. Um, I believe, I think we saw a picture of him with Anthony Alanga before Anthony Alanga left the club as yeah. well. Um, They're so scared of the situation, Scott, that he's at Carrington but they don't let him within a mile of the first team, literally a, a cubic mile, because they don't want him to be pictured with the first team. So how does that work with reintegrating a footballer? Like, let's be honest, Scott. This was six months ago this case was dropped. You know, in that period, if Manchester United had decided that he was going to be a footballer for us once again, he'd have been on that pre-season tour. Simple as that, yeah? He's been fit for six months. The reason why they haven't done it is because, as you just said there, dipping their toe in the water, trying to read public opinion. And yeah, globally, there's a lot of people outside of the locality of Manchester United 
that don't care. They're quite happy for him to come back and play football for Man United. But I think at Old Trafford, there is a difference there. And I'm not trying to make a distinction between matchday fans and global fans. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying that when he walks out on our football pitch, he will know. Do you think he wants that, Scott? Like Mason Greenwood, before this happened, we know was a relatively quiet, demure lad, like publicly, didn't like to talk, a little bit nervous. Do you think he wants to walk out of Old Trafford and be destroyed by the crowd? I'm not quite sure. So I, I, I look at this and I think United have been, I think they've just been they've taking it completely in an unintelligent manner, Scott. They've I, think they've been, I think they've been weak. Um, they've been weak. And if they're, they're trying to show, like in that statement where they said that Mason Greenwood is someone who's been with us since he was X amount of age and all of this. No, the duty of care of Manchester United is to its fans, first and foremost. That's the duty of care, not to someone that doesn't deserve to wear the badge because of his own actions. Well, another element of this is the fact that now this has bled into the to the new season. Exactly. And United have had a number of months to... You know, if... if for me, I think if they wanted to sell him, I think United would have just decided or to offload him to to send him out on loan. I think they would have decided that in June, really. Yeah. To to me, like this is a, a per the Athletics article. I think the the plan was to make the announcement on the fourth of August, which is before the mm. season begins. Yeah. And the the opportunity was there to not make this. Think of how much this is going to distract the team itself and Eric Ten Hag. From what, from what's happening on the football pitch with the rest of the players? Well, this, Eric, this is now yeah. hanging over the season like a, a dark cloud. When they ha- they've had months and months to make a decision here, and we know what the right decision is. Yeah, I, I appreciate that there will be people who disagree. We have our own opinion, and we we feel like this is <clears throat> the right way to go. And I think this is what the club should be doing. Is it, you know parting ways? Um, but this is now. Ericton has got to face the media today. You know? He's got to face the media today and he's going to get asked and he's going to give the stock answer, which is that this is a club matter. And that's actually the right thing to say. Like, he shouldn't actually have a bigger say than that. I think, again, we, we mesh these things with the business and the football, I think, a little bit too much. So, yeah, Eric Ten Hag has a big say at Manchester United as the coach. But ultimately, when it comes to decisions of operations and who's employed at the football club, yeah, if someone's not playing well he gets a call on that. He might not want Harry Maguire at the club because he doesn't think he fits him. This is a totally different kettle of fish. This is different. This is not about him. This is about Richard Arnold and the player. So, yeah, I'm sure that uh, ultimately Eric Ten Hag wants players that can help him win football matches. And he might be as kind of as ruthless as that and not look past that. It's not on him. This is not about him. And he's only going to be able to say that because that's the truth. It is actually an operational decision by the guys on the board. It's as simple as that. And if they say he can come back, then Eric Ten Hag's going to try and work with him. So I, I think this is the whole thing sometimes with football, Scott. With with you know, football means so much to all of us, doesn't it? Yeah, it's part of our everyday lives. It's part of our history. It's part of what we do every single day of the week. And if something like this happens, and you totally realise straight out the can, this is not about football. This is nothing to do with football. And if you make it about football then you're blind to the situation. I think Man United have been blind to a lot of this. They've gone, well, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we can get round this as he wasn't prosecuted. I think I think we're all stupid. Like this is the whole point. And the fact that all of that information was out on social media very early on, Scott, which obviously triggered the sense that he was then uh, um, 
going to be prosecuted by the CPS in this country. That's still out there doing the rounds and it will never, ever stop. If Man United are wise, they will look at this guy and they'll say, you're, you know, you're a great footballer, mate. Just go and have your career elsewhere. This is not something we want to deal with. That would be the smart way of dealing with this. Well, even now, if they made our decision, Rob, you know, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Um, yeah. I really think why, that yeah. United are, are looking at, you know, that they had they had to make that statement the other day because of the the athletic gave them, you know, as you should as as, as journalists, fair notice that this was coming, right to respond, etc., cetera, yeah. etc. Cetera. And from from what I, I've read, I mean, United asked for the 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 article uh, published time to be pushed back, and it and they reacted with their own statement. Which what, what did you make of the statement itself? Like, I mean, it was it seemed rushed and poorly planned. It was badly written. It was clearly written by a PR bod. Manchester United have tight links with their PR company that do all this for them. We've criticised the football club in the past, very basic things like social media posts and things like that, and the way they they present themselves in the public domain. But I think when you read that, that was clearly a reaction to feeling that that story was going to come out. Again, for people who might not have caught up with that or don't know that, um, it was claimed that Richard Arnold had already informed factions at Manchester United saying that, that they had intentions of bringing Mason Greenwood back. And they were in that process of briefing and to wait in. And obviously, you know, we had the story, didn't we, last week or the week before that they were going to wait for the, the England players to come back because they wanted cons- to consult them. They thought that would buy them time. No, people were outraged and rightfully so, because again, it's not about whether your England players care about Mason Greenwood coming back or not, is it? This is about you. You have to make these choices. So I think the statement itself, Scott, when you actually read it, the first time I read it, just blank, my mouth just kind of dropped because I was like, who has written this? Like, seriously, a journalist hasn't written this. This has been written by someone typing it up very quickly on a laptop and pressing send to the world. Well, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe you should have made that choice a while ago. So, yeah, not not a good look on the football club. And as you said, Scott, we're in the season now. Like, we've got Tottenham Hotspur coming up and we should be just talking about football. You know, transfer window's got two weeks to go. We should be talking about football. But we're talking again about Manchester United's misgivings. That starts with the Glazers, Scott. But then it does go down to like Sir Richard Arnold. Then the football arm, what can it do? As you said, they will be affected by these things. And there's no doubt the manager is going to get asked about this story now, left, right, and centre all the time. He's just going to have to give the same stock answer. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Rob? Like, how do you feel this is going to turn out? Um. It could turn out several ways. I still believe there's plenty of people at Manchester United, and I mean within the realms of the football club, yeah, not fans, plenty of people within the institution that do not want to see him play for the football club again. Now, it might be that they're pulling rank at the very top, yeah, in terms of Richard Arnold and, and his advisors. But I think they've felt it in the last 24 hours, Scott. I think they've felt the backlash and they're... They're scared. And because they're scared, I think that they will step back. I made the comparison to you, Scott, about governments, how governments put policy out that's massively unpopular and then dial it back and tell everyone at the end, oh, we listen to you. Well, I think Manchester United will probably do the same. I think they're now listening to fans, journalists, people around the club, and they're they're now their eyes have been opened and they're like, ah. It's incredibly naive to only realise that now. 
It's naive, but it's also absolutely Manchester United. Done it for years, 10, 15 years under the Glazers. They've done this before because they do not have an institutional view on stuff. They just kind of go with it. They're like a they're like a hot take on social media, Scott. That's what they are, you know, and they stick with that. And that's being highly critical of the football club. But I think that's true. I think that's the way United have been over many years because they're trying to please everyone, all one billion fans, rather than just being true to what they should be as a football club. So it doesn't look good on the Glazers, doesn't look good on Richard Arnold. And I don't think that they will make the decision that they thought they were going to make. That's just my feeling. That's just my feeling on it and from people I've spoken to. Because if she said, like, can you imagine him walking out of Old Trafford, Scott? Just be horrendous. I'd be there and there'd be people in tears. Yeah, this is a massive matter to Manchester United fans. I think more than maybe some fans maybe disconnected away from the football club don't don't realise, but it's just huge about who represents us and why. And people will make comparisons. I've seen people go back and say, well, George Best was this and this player was that and they're kind of throwing names out there. No, you have to do it by individual merit. And we're taking this on merit with Mason Greenwood. So... Uh, that's that on the suggestions are, I mean, uh, the further reports of, over the last few days have been that United could even make a decision official next week. Um, we do not know yet which direction that's going to go in. Obviously, United have seen that there's been the most negative of reactions to the, to the way that they have, uh, they have dealt with this situation, but we wait and see. We, we felt like Rob and I had to, Obviously, we couldn't comment on this when it, when it was um, a legal case, and we've stuck to we'll talk about it when United talk about it, or when United officially, you know, make a decision or make an official communication on it. Um, so here we are. That that is it. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it there for now. I'm sure that we'll talk about this situation, Rob, in in, in the next few weeks as well, when United decide whatever they're going to decide here. Anyway, uh, let's talk about more negative stuff, but in a football sense. Uh... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At this time, uh, just a reminder, actually, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Follow us on the socials at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. 
Um, I will be at Spurs versus Man United tomorrow. I'll do some Instagram stories for you as well at, at double underscore Scott Saunders and 90 min underscore football. You can catch me there for some video reaction. Also write an article for 90 min uh, from the game as well. My first look at United in the flesh and competitive action this season. They're going to be bloody better than they were on Monday night. Anyway, uh, Harry Maguire is going to be on the bench for that one. You'd imagine. Uh we this is in our running order today but just because obviously the deal has to west ham has collapsed when did that happen rob was that well officially yeah officially a few days ago but we'd we'd known a few days before that that the the deal had kind of collapsed and again it came about from the manchester united side is that manchester united being preoccupied with 25 different things at once is that they couldn't really sort out the exit of Harry Maguire. And I think, Scott, we said as well, didn't we, uh, on our show here, or I said it, I think, is that that United need to get these done deals done and execute them and get these players out the door. Because you know what happens, Scott? You get to the end of the transfer window and they're still sat on your bench. And that's a problem. So I've seen last few days, obviously the, the situation is uh, West Ham had a 30 million uh, transfer for Harry Maguire agreed. They agreed personal terms yeah. with Harry Maguire, but Harry Maguire is on the £190,000 a week yeah. and is not making that at West Ham. So Harry Maguire as a player feels entitled to that feels like his position should be that Man United, you owe me this amount of money for the next X amount of years. So give it to me. Um, I've seen plenty of criticism for Harry Maguire in the sense of you care more about money than your career. Um, I think there's a, there's a weight to that argument, but ultimately the, 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 the club or the, the party who have made the decision to give Harry Maguire 190,000 pound a week and to put, to owe that much money to Harry Maguire, any, 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 any person looking to, you know, um, look out for their family, make sure that their their own personal financial situation is, is dealt with as best they can. Any any person in that situation, I think, is just going to think, you owe me money. We saw it with Frankie de Jong last year. I mean, you know, it, this is the same... It's not the same thing, because Barcelona owed, owed him loads of money that was deferred to him that he, he'd given up. But Harry Maguire is owed X amount over the course of his contract. I think it was like 7 million quid or something like that. And the negotiation fell at that hurdle because United couldn't agree a payoff with Maguire. Maguire's copped some flack for that. Where do you stand? I don't blame Harry Maguire at all because, again, this is the, the definition and the real rule between football and business, you know, and those two things meshing into each other. But on this occasion, you can kind of make the correlation a little bit more smoothly. You're right. Harry Maguire was offered or was looking for at least a £4 million payoff for that contract. Manchester United didn't offer anything like that. And it's Manchester United initiating this transfer. And again, Scott, I'll say it. If you're a football club and you're moving players out, you have to take that burden. You have to take the financial side of it and get the player out the door and let get him down to West Ham to sign that contract. You've got £30 million incoming. Yes, you won't be able to keep every penny of that. But you could have moved this player on. And it was really important that they moved Harry Maguire on. But I don't blame Harry Maguire at all. I think if you're at a football club and someone in good faith gives you £200,000 a week, that's up to them to fulfil that, not you. You know, you're, you're the person getting paid. 
I actually don't think Harry Maguire is that much different of a player today, Scott, than when we gave him that contract. It's just that we have changed. United have changed. New manager, new setup, new defenders, new new outlook. Well, if you want to get rid of the guy, you're going to have to pay him off. We talked about Eric Bailly, didn't we, a long time ago? Same case. Same, same, same case. case. United are going to have to get rid of him. United are going to have to give him a free transfer because they've left it so long. They probably could have got a few million quid for him at some point in windows before, but they didn't. You know, Donny van der Beek, an asset that cost you, you know, 25 to 30 million. It's absolutely not going to leave the football club for anything like that. Fred left for 13 million. You paid 52 for him. So that's just the lay of the land. That's your fault. That's not Fred's fault, is it? So ultimately, you want players gone, Scott. You have to make it happen. And this is what I'm worried about now coming towards the end of the window with two weeks to go, is that once this gets compressed, all of your targets, Scott, start to become targets of other football clubs. They look at it and they go, United are moving slowly. Yes, that player wants to go there. We know that there's several players that want to go to Manchester United. We've talked about them in the past. But the longer it goes on, Scott, the more likely they'll go elsewhere. And it's as simple as that. And that is the way it works now at the end of the transfer window. Because Manchester United, if you sit on your hands, then you're getting to deadline day and you're having to do stuff. And do you know what, Scott? Harry Maguire, I think, will leave Manchester United on transfer deadline day. Because United will eventually go, you want four million? We'll give you four million. Go, just go, please, because we need to get something for you because we need to kind of finish this business that we've got. That puts United in a bad position. You've seen Arsenal over the last few years. I mean, I think of players like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, Socrates, uh, Papastopoulos, I swear there's been some others as well. Also just taking the hit on them. And they they had to at the end of the day. I mean, they, they've given massive... I think they gave Aubameyang 350k a week or something like that. And he was captain. He was yeah. captain. He wasn't good. Mikel Arteta decided yeah. he was not good for the atmosphere at the club. He wasn't behaving properly. And Arsenal just took the hit and they accepted it. They had to essentially ingest that, that damage yeah. to move forward. And they have moved forward. Now, as you, I, I understand the people who, th- who think, you know, oh, Harry Maguire should waive that money. If you were in that situation, <laughs> what would you do? Like, honestly, no. what would you do? Anyway, uh, you know, I think, in, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Rob. I, I know that the West Ham deal is off. Unless West Ham go and find, you know, David Moyes wants Harry Maguire. He does. I can't. I could see a, a a world where this deal is all of a sudden back on the table and all of a sudden goes through. Uh, but if they should have just dealt with it when it was when it was a hot topic. West Ham have got a load of money burning in their pockets and they're desperate to spend. They got it. eighty-five million more coming for Lucas Paquetta as well. Exactly. <laughs> so they they know that they're kind of cash rich at the moment, and this transfer window is a massive opportunity for them. So they're not going to hang around for Harry Maguire. They're just not. They'll go and look elsewhere and find a different type of player. Uh, we know that Everton and Sean Dyche is seriously interested in in Harry Maguire, and that I think might work. Why? Well. Again, being in the Northwest, Maguire wouldn't have to relocate. These things do matter, you know, in people's personal lives and with their family. So he'd be able to stay where he is uh, out in uh, in lovely leafy Cheshire. And they'd be able to kind of carry on living his life. Then, you know, and he'd be able to go to a good football club. Now, someone was saying, well, will he go to a club that's in a relegation battle? Well, again, I think if he goes there as, as a cornerstone of, of Everton Football Club, and Everton are a big club, then I think he would be interested in that. But United are going to have to pay him. 
give him the four million quid. And ironically, Scott, they might have to take a smaller transfer fee now. That 30 million on the table from West Ham, Everton might go, we'll take him off you, but we're only going 25. You know, that's it. United, beggars cannot be choosers. And that's where United are now. Because I said this about Scott McTominay, Scott, when you were saying he's worth 40 million, I was like, I'd take 30 for him now. And I'd drive him to West Ham myself. Because you just sometimes the window ends and then players are worth nothing, Scott, because you can't sell them anymore. So I think that's where United are with this at the moment. You know, we, we've talked a lot about Pavard, talked about Amrabat. These players are still there on the table. These players are not going to wait for Manchester United. And their noses are out of joint rightfully now because United are now not being able to execute the business that they want to do. We'll wait and see. Richard uh... Arnold's having a great week. Yes, that's why I started the show with United have had a a, a bad week because they have. Um, and let's talk about so just to, just to update you. I mean, Benjamin Pavard is of interest to Inter. Inter have wanted him since January. Uh, he's yeah. wanted to leave Bayern since January. He's on record as saying I would be happy to try out Serie A. Yeah, Inter are obviously not super cash rich, and they they struggle themselves to to pay certain fees for players. But I think Bayern probably understand that United are, can, you could, they could probably ask for a little bit more money out of Man United than Inter. Um, if they have a player who's out of contract in a year, that's going to go for free, which is the way that it is looking. Um, I'm not saying that that deal is completely off the table and, and dead. It depends on Harry Maguire, but United are in a sell to buy. This is what they're saying. They have to sell to buy. And... Pavard is being held up by Maguire. Uh, Sofian Amrabat is being held up by, I think United needed to offload two midfielders, whether that's Scott McTominay or Donny van der Beek. Fred's yeah. gone already. Uh, van der Beek is United in talks with Real Sociedad about that deal. That ain't advancing either, because I think Sociedad want a loan to loan with an option. United prefer a permanent deal. Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, I think United, United are looking for with Donny van der Beek with a, a loan to an ob- obligation. Obligation, to buy. Yeah. and and let's be honest, if you've looked at Donny van der Beek the last two or three or four years, no, no one would be doing that. They'd be going, well, "Hang on, we want to see how fit he is first of all, or what he can do for us." You know, it might be very good for Sociedad, but you were not going to commit obligation to buy unless that obligation is like. 10 million or something ridiculously cheap, but that's not going to be what United want, is it? So, yeah, a, a kind of strange week for Manchester United. And I think going into this game, Tottenham Hotspur, if the first game wasn't so troubling in terms of some of the stuff we saw, you might feel better about it. But I think every day since that game, Scott, it's just unraveled a little bit more in the Man United universe and we're all a bit like, you know, you need to get your business done. You really need to get it done now because we need the players in as soon as possible. You know, you've got Hoyland at the football club. who might be back in a couple of weeks, but you've got problems in all parts of the park. So you still need to purchase. And I think that's Man United have, you know, they did well, I think, earlier on. I think they kind of did their business and conducted themselves well. And now they've just hit a kind of brick wall. And we're not the only club like that, Scott. Like I think Liverpool have suffered in a similar way with some of their deals, you know, trying to scrimp on Lavia and then not getting players. He's just been announced by Chelsea. Exactly. So so, so Chelsea are the other end of the spectrum, aren't they? Chelsea are just like, yeah, it's all right. We'll just give everyone eight-year contracts and spend hundreds of millions. And that's what we do. We're West London. We are the richest part of of the country. Here we go. But um, I think when you look at, at, at what United need to do now, 
I, I would not be surprised if some of this all gets done and rectified on transfer deadline day, simply because then clubs panic. Clubs go, well, we have to do this now because, oh no, we turned up at Tottenham and we, we didn't play well again or we lost or something terrible or someone got injured. Look what's happened with Arsenal, Scott, with, with Timber. You buy Timber, he's going to be an integral part of your team. His ACL blows out in the first game. Then you have to make other decisions, don't you? United are only one injury away in, in, the, in the first team to having to think differently, aren't they? One of the major players, you don't want to think like that, but you also have to have contingency plans. And quite often Manchester United don't. Ryan Gravenberg has been linked with United again over the last few days. Uh, suggestions are that United and Liverpool have told Bayern that, hey, we'll take him if he's available. And Bayern's position has been, he ain't available. So that that one might change mm. in, the, in the coming days as well. But you mentioned there, as much as uh, Casemiro's come in for stick this week, if Casemiro gets injured, United don't have a bloody anybody. <laughs> so uh, apart from Scott McTominay. If Rashford got injured, if Bruno got injured, if Anana now got injured... If you lost Martinez, well, like Rob you did Dean last Henderson's year. still there, and he, the United can't sell him. So you know, it's mad, isn't it? it? It's so mad. Like you could have got rid of Dean Henderson for a decent wad of cash not so long ago, but again, because you were a little bit worried about the De Gea situation, what did you do with De Gea? You sat and you sat and you sat and you sat, and then you did let him go, which is what you were always going to do anyway, six months before. <laughs> so you could have just made these calls, couldn't you, in these decisions earlier on? But yeah, like. You, Funnier things have happened in football when injuries happen and then a player has to stay and, and has to be a part of that. But I'm worried, Scott, about the core of those players. Like you mentioned Casemiro. I'm a little bit less uh, worried about Casemiro because I actually don't know if we're going to get a great year out of him, like being completely honest. I think it could be a year of decline, but we'll see where that goes. But I'm certainly worried about if you lose a Martinez or a Varane. Say if you lose a Luke Shaw, uh, a year of Malassia does not work for me. So, you know, there's, there's, there's plays in that first team where you go fingers crossed and praying they don't get injured because you simply do not have the backup at the moment or the squad depth to be able to survive a season and have a good season off the back of that. Well, let's talk about Spurs. Uh, as we mentioned, trip to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The first game for Ange Postacoglu, competitive game anyway, uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think the atmosphere will be quite heavy for United to deal with. Uh, Spurs, I, I don't think, are in as bad shape as most have made out. They played quite well. I know they didn't beat Brentford last weekend. United can hurt Spurs. Let, let's, let's, let's get that right. United can. But uh, how, do you, how do you feel going into this? Well, do you know what? We've talked about Spurs before, and I think I said that we did our predictions before, and I said originally I thought they'd come 10th. Might revise that a little bit now. I've seen quite a bit of them kind of done my homework. I think when you look at Tottenham now and you look at where they are, their crowd is going to be up for this because they've stage managed the Harry Kane exit quite well. So if Harry Kane had gone to Man United or somewhere like that, this would have been a different kind of game, wouldn't it? We know it would have been totally different. But I actually think Spurs have managed it pretty well. And Poster Coglu's done well in his presses and kind of getting people together. And I actually think there's going to be a big response from them, from the crowd, because they'll want to support the new manager, the new team, the new setup, the new players. Um, and United need to ride that. United need to look at their own form and say, right, we're going to go there and play our best game of football. But I think it's difficult, Scott. I, I, I don't think you're in the best form, even though it's only been one game. But pre-season certainly hasn't shown that you're, you're trending in the right direction in terms of what you're going to do on a football pitch. And I'm a little bit worried about... Madison, like that's that's what I look at. I, I think Madison's the kind of player that you know. It's his first game, obviously at home for Tottenham Hotspur. It's a big deal for him. 
And I think he's now going to become like the de facto star at the football club. I think that's what they that he could become if they get themselves a striker sorted. But they've got Richarlison, he can score goals, and they've got Son, he can score goals. And I think Man United, defensively okay, but I think through midfield, yeah, seriously worried. I think Man United still need a couple of midfielders. And as we've just said there, they're not advanced on any of those deals. Yeah, I think this one will have goals. I mean, where they come from, who knows? I think if United treat the game well enough, I think Spurs will offer United some space in behind, which is typically what United want and typically the only way they can really score goals. Uh, let's say that. But, you know, difficult game. <clears throat> the worst thing they can possibly do is fall behind in the first 10 minutes. And I think, well, I'll be there to watch it up close and I'm just kind of hoping that they manage the situation a little bit better than they managed Monday night's game against Wolves but United have a 100% record from one game <laughs> uh, let's hope they can go on and take another three points here but obviously <clears throat> Spurs are in a decent position given everything that's gone on anyway exactly I think they're actually in the best position they could be post Harry Kane and a few weeks ago, I wasn't sure about that. A few weeks ago, I was thinking this doesn't, you know, this doesn't look good for Spurs. Um, and I think the fact is they're now going to be the underdog, the perennial underdog for the season. People are going to look at them without Kane and go, oh, well, you know, they haven't got their, their boy anymore. How are they going to do it? I think they've actually got more than enough talent, Scott. Uh, I, my question, Mark, as I always said to you before, is about Postacoglu. Can Postacoglu cut it in the Premier League? So we'll see that because Postacoglu will be up against Ten Hag. It will be a tactical battle. But I think Man United is still short in certain parts of the park. I really hope, Scott, fingers crossed, that we see Jaden Sancho start the false nine. Because if he starts as the false nine, then United can have a better shape in terms of how they retrieve the ball and play kind of that Gagan pressing style that the manager wants to play. But I think if you play Rashford up top, midfield and the attack will become disconnected and we'll be having the same conversation that we had after Wolves. Are you not, are you not team start Martial? Well, team start, where's his hamstring, Scott? Like he, He's, well, he's not been played... training all week. He hasn't, done, he hasn't barely played in pre-season, but he's been training for, I think, even a couple of weeks now. No amount of training behind the scenes gets you match ready. So he'll be on the bench, I'm sure of that. And yes, he might get 10, 15, 20 minutes. But there is no sports scientist in the world that would advocate someone having a few weeks training, missing all the core training because he's been injured, and then stepping straight back into your team. I think if you do that, you risk losing him for maybe six months. So I don't think Ten Hag will do that. And Ten Hag being relatively conservative and a pragmatist, I can't see him chucking him in. Jaden's ready. So play Jaden and play Marcus on the left. Yeah, I think Aaron Wambasaka now starts at right back for the foreseeable. I think he did well the other day. And I think you'll probably see Martinez come back in if he's fit, but we'll learn obviously that today. And if not, then what happens? Probably Victor Lindelof comes in or maybe Luke Shaw comes inside. So there's options for United, but I think it's key that they somehow link midfield and attack because that just simply wasn't there, was it, when we looked at the, at the football match against Wolves? Yeah, United have got to play better than Monday night, as we've said. I think that, that'll that'll be it for, for the show today. Uh, difficult one, obviously. I think it has been a bad week. I don't think there's any getting away from that. Um, on a variety of fronts. Obviously, Mason Greenwood is uh, at a point where we have to discuss. <clears throat> and uh, we wait and see how United continually manage this situation. Uh, any any final words today, Rob? No, just to wrap the Greenwood bit up, you know, I'll just say to Manchester United, do not sully us 
as people who love Manchester United because of one player. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Even in the future or in the past, don't look at one player and think that they're bigger than all of us and all the football club. Because I think Manchester United do that. They're sorely, sorely mistaken. Subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe and leave a comment for us on anything we've discussed or any, anything you feel like you want you want to ask us or anything like that. Uh, follow us on the socials at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B at Promise and MU for the show. All on X. Didn't call it Twitter. And uh, Rob's YouTube channel at underscore Rob underscore B and Instagram as well. I'll be, I'll be there at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium on Saturday evening at double underscore Scott Saunders on IG and nightyman.com Cause I'll be putting something out, some, some wild take on how crap United are or how good United are. Um, after the game finishes nightyman.com for that and nightyman underscore football, you can follow as well. Thanks for listening today, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday to discuss the weekend's action and whatever moves United make off the pitch next. See you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.